Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and I am here today with Marcia Villalba. Uh, did I say that right? Marcia Villalba, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a developer advocate at Amazon Web Services. And you, if you've looked online and you've searched for stuff for AWS, you have probably found her YouTube channel, her Twitter. She has a podcast, a tech talk podcast for Spanish speaking audiences, just an incredible amount of, of content out there for developers. And I thought we could have a conversation around what that is all about. What is it like creating content for developers? How do developers learn? How do you learn? Where can they find this type of information? Just making it AWS services and education accessible for everyone. So thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast today. Yes, thank you for inviting. I'm always happy to talk about content creation, developers, AWS, serverless. So you have not mentioned serverless yet, so I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. And we can we can talk about that a little bit. So yeah. um your background's super interesting and I and I wanted to ask this. Originally you so is is your home country Uruguay originally from Uruguay and you're living in Finland now? Yeah, I'm from Uruguay. Um was born there and I lived in Uruguay until I was 23. Uh when I decided to go to Finland on an exchange program. My plan was oh, to wow. to come here for one year. I was by that time this was 12 years ago. So maybe a lot of your listeners were in and they care. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 12 years ago uh mobile phones were starting and Apple was not the big guy. It was Nokia. And Nokia was a oh, Finnish yeah. company. It, it is a Finnish company still uh, around. And it was huge. And maybe everybody of my age have this Nokia brick phone that it was impossible to distract. And it has all these cool features that I was in love with. So I decided to do my exchange program in Finland to try to get into Nokia because I, I read around in the internet that a lot of the exchange uh, students were able to work for Nokia in a kind of part-time basis or do some credits there. And I was like, I need to do that. So I came to Finland to do that. <laughs> wow, I love And we may have crossed paths then. I was actually one, they called them Windows Phone Champions. So I was a developer advocate at Microsoft at the time. Wow. And the way it was pronounced internally was Nokia. I don't, I don't know if that's the actual... Well, I you know, know, with the, the Finnish, Finnish, the Finnish people might pronounce it Nokia, like Nokia. Yeah, yeah. It, all the yeah. letters sounds like in Spanish, so <laughs> but I'm yeah. terrible with pronunciation in any other language that's Spanish. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, look who you're talking to here. So yeah, I mean, just incredible, incredible phones back then, incredible hardware. I mean, I just, I remember taking my kids were real young, and just taking photos on on a Nokia phone in 2008-2010 to this day it when i look back at the photo it's funny because you can kind of see timeline so i yeah. keep all the all my kids and i i have teenagers and they're older and so i have uh, it's amazon photos every day i wake up and i look at our life together right so it's a great way to start the day and you can kind of see oh here's where i was using an actual camera 
here's where I had some like awful cameras. Oh, the here's the years with Nokia. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, here's the Nokia years. Oh, and then now it's like early iPhone years. And then you, cut, you slowly see the camera. So uh -huh. that's got to be super interesting. You know, we did an episode with Memo on international and, and, and Latin America. And there's been a lot of interest from our audience around just cloud and developer communities and just all of that that happens outside of the U.S. And so you had to have an incredible journey to have a front row seat to mobile. When when did you start getting involved with developers? And I, I've been coding since I'm six. So my dad wow. uh, thought, well, English and programming are the ways to come out from here because we um, come from a middle class but quite in the lower side my parents are very educated but never had a lot of money uh, so they believed that education was the only way to succeed and they were like English you need to you need to learn English and you need to learn to code so my parents were really in, in that. So my dad, when uh, I was six, uh, saved for many years, I don't know how many years, but got me a computer. And in the computer, there was this basic for kids game. So I had to move a dog around with uh, basic commands and take it right. into the house. I didn't know computer games. So for me, that was fun. Uh, so that was reinforcing my learning English and my coding. Wow. And since then, I've been uh, involved in programming. So when I became a teen, uh, around 12, 13, I was always a nerd. Uh, so my first involvement with communities was to go to the Linux user group meetup in Montevideo. So oh, I still man. remember faces of all these old men because that was a place for yeah. old men like 30 for me they were very old 30 40 yeah. 50 uh <laughs> men only men and then this crazy girl jumps into in the night of a sunday night they were always in the sunday nights the meetups my dad will drive me there and wait for me in the door until the meetup is over and then wow. he will take me home because i was young uh and the faces of all these men like are you are you in the right place i was like yes i want to learn linux i didn't have linux installed by them just to to let you know right. i was just interested in meeting people <laughs> i didn't know where to go uh so yeah that was my first involvement with communities and from there i was starting to learn to program more like real things so i started learning visual basic and selling my first software like wow. before getting to school and i was doing random things web pages and getting money fixing computers so because my parents didn't have much money I, everything i could make i was extremely proud of myself so yeah. <laughs> it was like a ball of i need to do more things and more things so i can learn more so i can get some more money <laughs> uh yeah I, 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 and there's so many, um, there's a, it's very similar for me. Um, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. There was points where we weren't sure we were going to put food on the table. My father was a, was a butcher for mm. 50 years, and all of my, my whole family was in the meatpacking industry. Um, no one went to college and similar to you, it was like around six and I found Commodore computers and my parents couldn't afford mm -hmm. it. So I went and looked for a job and I got a, a paper route. <laughs> so I delivered papers so I could get a computer and that's how I exactly. learned Visual Basic. I love the fact that you learned from, like you sought out community. Cause back then, I, you know, there was like, it's very hard to find where these 
where the meetups were, where were they the were you know, hard. Yeah, I was yeah. Uh, I was following at the beginning mailing list. Well, because by that time my amount of internet per week was thirty minutes, so I could get only right. thirty minutes a week of internet. So I oh had to uh, do all my research and subscribe to all the mailing lists, so then the right. mails can download to my computer and then can read them. So that's how I found the user groups. Was the uh, thirty uh, like an <laughs> internet cafe or was it at home? No, it was at like home. A, it was at home, but I had to use the mo like you know the phone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then somebody, hello, no, mom, you just hung my connection. To yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I uh, a dial up and and modems and haze yeah. modem at commands. Yeah, I love it. I love I love your passion. I and I, I it seems it's so interesting to me that you le were learning English at the same time that you were learning programming through the computer. Yeah, well, I went to school that taught me English, so that was right. part of my parents. Uh, like they were really into me getting as much education as I could get, and basically because I was so passionate about learning everything, most of the schools put me in scholarship programs because I was wow. that type of kid that I was uh, easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just want to study and be in the corner. And <laughs> I was that kid, but but I was happy. And in the summers, I was taking programming courses. So when I I have free time, I was in this school. In the neighborhood, there was this programming academy, and I joined there, and I meet more people, I made more friends, and I start building a lot of connections already early on, even before going to university. And so I love it. this is, <laughs> and it's so it's on my mind right now. So uh, um, my my oldest daughter's boyfriend is going to community college for computer science, and they've been just throwing like a bunch of Java at him, and he was like, "Help!" He's like, "I'm not <laughs> learning this." How did, and I actually got asked the question, like, how did you learn to be a, a coder? And I pointed him to some of your YouTube videos. I pointed him, I basically pointed him to YouTube. I was like, look, this is like, you could learn. There's a bunch of free training today from like people who are actually going to tell you what sucked and where to find things. Yeah. And they're not in, uh, they're not in his, his, his college professor did, did not even mention like Stack Overflow. Yeah, or but I still, like I still to... think for learning to code, the first step is to be curious and experiment. Like you yes. can learn a lot of things with YouTube and Stack Overflow, but you need to sit down with the computer and break things. And and that's what how like if you give a two or three year old any toy, you will see that they will play with it. They will play this way. They will play this other way. They will play this other way. They will see what yeah. is the most efficient way to play with it until, the, and it's the same with coding. You should take it as a game or like a fun thing to do because yes, content is great for learning, but you need to have some understanding on what you're watching and not just consuming 30 hours of YouTube, just like you read book on history. This is a practical skill. This is like more right. closing to carpentry than to history. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely vocational. And I, it's, it's, it's super interesting, right? Um, I don't know if you know, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, famous uh, physicist. Uh, he does all, he, I just love the way he teaches <laughs> and explains things um, yeah. about, you know, the universe. And he, I was watching an interview with him and he said the most important factor in anything is curiosity. That it's more important to be curious than it is to 
you know, know a bunch of things because you're always going to find stuff out if you have that yeah. passion and you have that curiosity. And I think and having a I, problem to solve also is fun because at least for me, when I started and, and still today, I want to achieve something. I believe I can achieve something. I want to, I don't know, build a web page. I want to right. hack this game. By that time, games were able to be hacked by just changing configurations and things like that. I can do this. I, I had this idea in my head that I could do something and I need to figure out how. Uh, <laughs> it's not like I will learn how and then see what I do with that thing. It, it's boring in that way, unless you really need to learn it for work or something like that. But for me, it's always, I have this problem. I believe I can solve it with X and I will try. <laughs> then I will fail and learn how to solve it with Y, yeah. but I learned something. <laughs> oh, and that's, I mean, you figured this out just naturally because yeah. how awesome you are. Like, the way the human brain works is dopamine is not a reward system. It's actually a system of enforcement. And, you know, I, I talk to my kids all the time about this when they lose their driver. I'm like, <laughs> well, what are your goals? What are you like actually striving for? If it's nothing but just scrolling through social media all day, the dopamine system will be completely wrecked. But when you like I get super excited with um anything like just like a project like marching towards a project and yeah. then i break it down into 15 minutes a day right which is which is how i learned a lot of things i'm like this thing's gonna take and we were just talking a little bit about aws certification before we started <laughs> doing the podcast i'm like it took me you know month and a half and then i just broke it down into 10 minute intervals but i was so i i remember talking to my wife recently i was like i remember this time last year i was a lot more excited and I thought, you know, maybe it's stuff going on in the world. And I realized it was because I was marching towards something every single day and getting that dopamine trip. And it's, it's a great way to learn and then ask yourself questions. So let's, I mean, this is a perfect segue to how do you become a developer? How, what's your approach to making videos? Because you have some really great, everything from lighting and the five, like you're, you're, you're like, you're a YouTuber, right? It's like, you can see yeah. everything from the, the, the thumbnail art to the way that you engage in the videos and make it interesting. So like how, you know, how does developer training and learning look like, what's the path and what are your, what are your thoughts here? I don't know. I started from where everybody starts, putting the camera on and saying hello and being very, <laughs> very bad at it. And I still watch my videos from last year and I hate them. And if I watch my videos from today, next year, I probably will hate them. <laughs> so that's something it will happen always. That's called improvement. So you do something try to improve yourself all the time. And for me, the right. most important thing, one of the things I learned while doing this is trying to understand your audience. That's what we were talking at the previously. I was like, what's your audience like? And you were like, right. ah, well, this and that. And I was like, yes, so we will talk about that. Uh, right. And for me, that's the most important thing. I imagine I, 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 YouTube is a very random place. I don't know all the 20,000 people that are subscribed to my channel. I don't know all the... 40, 50,000 people that watch me every month. I don't know anybody, um, but I imagine that my audience is this type of person. They like this type of content. Uh, they, they find curiosity here. They like a little bit of loudness because they watch me. Uh, and, and I have this perspective on how my audience is. Sometimes I 
fail and, and <laughs> I guess it wrong, but, but I have this clear vision. And whenever I was making content without a clear vision, it was harder to create the content. It was harder to get views. It was harder to get the content uh, suggested. It was harder to get it uh, ranking in search because I was making content for, I don't know, everybody. <laughs> right, right. And everybody is not the right person. I was looking at this analogy the other day about like pizza, like almost everybody likes pizza. But if you make a pizzeria that sells generic pizza, it will be one more generic pizza pizzeria. But if you make maybe a pizzeria that sells vegan pizza, uh, vegan cheese pizza, or very specific, then you can be the best in that category. So then when I realized that, I was like, okay, this is serverless is my thing. I will focus on my audience, my backend developer that mm, is kind of familiar with AWS. And that's my right. audience. And I have it very clear when I make the videos, the tone of voice I use uh, and the content I put out. So not everybody will feel comfortable watching my content because I don't speak to everybody. I speak to this particular uh, audience. And what do you? What kind of topics do you find are the most popular with developers? It depends what kind of develop. There is a lot of topics that uh, will get you suggested in the platform very much because they generate a lot of traffic, and those are like personal stories or or like more dramatic things or talking about salary or talking about like lifestyle, and that gets a lot of comments and a lot of engagements, and that's I think it's something we don't talk enough in the developer yeah. community. I don't talk about that because uh, <laughs> I like to talk about tech. Uh, but that's a very uh, big chunk of the content that gets um, gets very trendy very fast. Talking about like what we are talking now, like learning yeah. and, and and career development and things like that, because people are uh, feel very lonely in this industry, <laughs> and it's a very like everybody's competing against each other. So you don't ask the question like how much money you make. Uh, nobody tells right. you that. Maybe you cannot say it. So when people open up that, then the discussion gets very <laughs> interesting in the well, comment sections. Uh, like um, you said, being vocational, <laughs> it takes a long time to get good yeah. at it. And if you're going to make that kind of time commitment investment, you want to make sure you're optimizing your compensation yeah. for the amount of time and energy you've put in. This is a, you, you made me remember a question that I got recently, and I think it's a great question. And, and this, with what you're saying, it resonates why that is. I, I'm still not able to answer this. So when I was in college, the biggest question I had for professors is, what will I do? I don't like, know. What does it mean for a developer? And they couldn't tell me. They're like, you know, you'll work on projects. And I'm like, no, no, like I wake up and then what do I do? Right. And we just had a, a podcast uh, last week with Claire and she just gave interesting insight in, in like the, the life of a commit of a developer. Right. It's like, what is it like in your day? Are you sitting there and, and monitoring pipelines or are you are you doing code commits? And I got the same um, question of like, what does it mean when I graduate school? Like this is a, a huge thing of like. There is a, a generation just doesn't want to sit and work on boring stuff all day long. They want to create product and they want to create interesting, disruptive technology, right? And so what does that mean? And and that's not well-defined. And no, I no. And ahead. I think developers, and, 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 and sometimes we, we box ourselves by thinking that we are developers, but we are creating things. It's a creative yes. task. So it's about problem solving. And sometimes 
we box ourselves so much that we think that we need to output code to be successful. So we tend to overcomplicate things. And I talk a lot about managed services and people like that. That's cheating. That's not cheating. That's getting the <laughs> best work class people working on the problems and you just glue it together the things to solve your problems. And for me, that's what we should do as developers, as software engineers, or like whatever you like to call it. But it's hard <laughs> to, to convince people that developers are not just spitting uh, code in their, <laughs> in their computer all the time. They're solving problems. It can be more complex problems, and then maybe they call you an architect when you have very big systems and you are more in the big things. But if you're even a developer, you might be solving problems in smaller scales or also in bigger scales. I think the, 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 the separation that's personal and every company has their own. Uh, but it's about finding tools to solve problems in the most efficient way that the problem requires today. And that can be anything from no code, low code, as much code as you want, assembler for some solutions, whatever you need. <laughs> right. And that's what I like, like when, when they ask me, what is your language? Well, I do JavaScript. I do JavaScript today. I did Java before. I did assembler in the past. I can do Python. I can do HTML. I can do CSS. I can learn anything you put me on the table because I don't care about the language itself. I care right. about the solving the problem. So the language is just a tool. I will learn it. Maybe not the best, most perfect way of learning the language, but I will use it enough. We able to solve the problem. <laughs> yeah, I I've always looked at it as coding is automating human creative thought, <laughs> right? Which is why we get all bugs and we get all these other things. And I, I I think it's it exactly. You know, it's it's a means to an end. And I'm going to link all of I'm going to link all of your channels here because you have a bunch of technical content that I feel is like very engaging way to learn. I want to ask you, what is your creative process? What drives you to learn? What gets you excited? If there were one or two things right now in this space that have you excited, what would they be? What is that creative process for you? <laughs> for me, always when documentation sucks, that's when I get excited. <laughs> uh, and that's how I started with serverless. I, I was running a project and we were using serverless and the documentation was non-existent because it was the early beginnings. And then right. I started learning and I started documenting it and, and documenting the process. Uh, and I keep on doing that. Like I find something that it has a lot of holes and then I create, I, I, and that's what drives me to dive deep as much as right. I can, because I want to know how to do all these things that they are not documented anywhere. So I get very obsessive with those topics. And you can see some of my most popular topics are me just getting inside and how I can do this. Maybe it's pointless. You don't need that in your life, but I just find it very interesting to to go into the depths. So, for example, now uh, I'm going into the depths of CDK pipelines. You are in the in that org, so <laughs> there is not much documentation about it. So for me, it's extremely fun to try and play and see. And 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 because CDK is fantastic, you can go and open the objects and see what is inside and 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 see what you can do. And what if I want to do this? And what if I want to do that? Oh, it works! Exciting! More 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 <laughs> so that's what i'm working now at like these weeks i'm, I'm doing that uh, but I, it can be anything it can be any topic some time ago it was step functions and i was getting into the depths of the amazon state language how i can because there was this announcement that now step functions integrates with everything and i wanted to do a demo integrate with everything and build lambda less 
uh, applications. And I went and I learned as much as I could to, to build applications like that. So I get excited with, with random things and I go deep <laughs> and then I jump to another thing. That's yeah. the magic of I being a developer it's... advocate. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're in the, you are in the perfect role and it's, you know, it's your curiosity and it, it comes to, it's your curiosity is what's actually driving your learning in that yeah. when you're in camp, like you're talking about documentation, you're like, well, what is this thing? And I think it can be used this way. And I need to know there's exactly. this drive inside of you. Um, and that's incredibly important. And I mean, all of the greatest philosophers and all of the, you know, all of the through ancient human history has been about curiosity. You know, yeah. why, why does the world work this way? And what is the beauty in this thing? And I think that's super important to drive learning. And I, I it really and, does come across. In your and then videos. I do a lot of curiosity from my audience. So in the most Amazonian way, I always work from customers. So for me, yeah. comments and feedback and questions are really a great starting point. So sometimes I don't know, I need to make a video every week. So I need ideas every week on how, on yeah. what content I should talk. And usually I like to talk about some things I never talked before. So I go and look in my comments and in my Twitter and I see what people are asking and it's like, okay, so they want to do this and this and this. So let's make a video. Let's try to figure out how to do this. And I try to figure out and I do it. And I That's amazing. I love it. So hopefully you will get, you will have our audience reach out. Uh, where can people find you on uh, Twitter and online? Uh, and, I'm in and, Twitter. You know, so the links are in the, in the description box, as you will say. But if you search Marcia uh, serverless, you will find all my things because there is not that many Marcias and there is not that many women in the tech industry and there is not that many women in the serverless industry. So just search Marcia and serverless in Google and you will find my Twitter, my YouTube channel and all the other networks. <laughs> I love it. I, I'll, I will add all of these links to the show notes and I, I can't wait for, for you to hear feedback from the audience once they discover yeah. your videos and your content. Thank you so much for coming on today. A super appreciated conversation. Thank you for inviting me. I have a great day.